Hello, and welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast, where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Aaron. And I'm Damien. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work for social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table and discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. We want Interdependent Study to be a space where we're always learning with one another. And Damien, you're up this week. So I am. Uh, what are you bringing to the table today? Yes. All right. So for today, I have brought a documentary uh, mm-hmm. to the table for us. It's actually a brand new documentary film, which is pretty dang exciting. So yeah. uh, I'm really excited for us to get to have gotten the opportunity to watch it. Uh, and to get to talk about it with you here. So the film is called Behind the Shield, The Power and Politics of the NFL. Uh, And it was produced and released by uh, an organization called Media Education Foundation. Uh, And they do some work to create documentary films like this one and other educational resources, sort of all centered around the social, political, and cultural impact of um, the mass media in our in our country uh, on our society, which I think is pretty cool. Um, I hadn't heard of them at all um, before you found this mm. film, so um, add that to the list of exciting things. But uh, <laughs> this documentary features sports journalist Dave Zirin and explores the role that things like politics, um, race, social justice issues, activism, masculinity and toxic masculinity, uh, patriotism, capitalism, and, and, and more, a whole lot more, um, have played in both play and have played in the NFL and in sports in this country and sort of what all of that has meant for our society uh, and our culture, if you will. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this because I thought it was really fascinating and Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. well done um, and super informative. So, yeah, uh, yeah, what did you think? Um, I thought it was great. Um, I The first two and a half minutes – basically is a microcosm of the whole film. Yes. Um, and it's super powerful, that opening sort of thesis that yes. he presents. Um, it's clips of politicians, celebrities, sort of man-on-the-street-style segments, and more all talking down on how the game has uh, become political yep. because a few players are exercising their right to free speech by kneeling or making other statements that that you know ultimately aren't interrupting the game. Right. Um, and then... The film goes on to then point out how the NFL has been purposefully crafting its image to represent a specific brand of masculinity, uh, patriotism, and militarism. Yes. Um, so just that opening two minutes prove a massive point um, about the kinds of things that we see as political, both in the NFL and I think more broadly, yeah. uh, and the kinds of things that we see as neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, so players taking a knee or Olympians raising a fist, that's political. Right. Um, but a flyover um, from the military and the announcers of football uh, pre-game show dressed up in fatigues as business as usual, yeah. <laughs> not pol- not political. Yes, uh, and that's the point, right? Like yeah. that's the whole point of this the the documentary. Um, it's about what's upholding or reinforcing the things we consider to be normal and therefore not political, right? And then what's challenging it and therefore political. <laughs> um, and the rest of the film does this really amazing job of walking us through the history of the NFL, um, the patterns of behavior from the league. Um, the ways that they've tied masculinity to like football players and, and the perception of what football 
like being a football player means. Yes. The way that militarism has been um, a theme from the very early days, uh, World War Two, yeah. Vietnam, into the the Gulf War, um, and and beyond into nine eleven up till today, uh, and so. That just there's just so much. Um, there is, there is. It's really, really uh, great. I, I don't the the whole thesis of like what's political and what's not. Like I think is at the core here, and oh. I, really, I really loved that the tension of of going back and forth with that. Oh, it absolutely is. You know, I um I appreciate you bringing up some of that history of the NFL and and of just football in this country because I don't think I knew any of that. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that was really. So if you're a history buff or just like to, you know, the point of documentaries is just to learn new things. Like there's some really oh, yeah. cool um, uh, bits and pieces like that in the film that I thought were were really cool. Uh, but, yeah, I, I want to stick with this because I thought that sort of opening thesis, right, really summed up what this whole film was about. Um, and this was just a really fascinating um, I think one of the most fascinating and powerful arguments in the documentary, um, this idea that, you know, we for you know years ago saw all of this rhetoric uh, for folks saying things like, you know, just shut up and play ball. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I think one of the, the most fascinating and, and powerful arguments is this idea that the NFL has been an organization that has always utilized and made political statements right and so um and it's just like this idea of you know whether or not you agree with it or not or whether or not you it's conscious to you or not right um uh they still are political statements right Mm -hmm. and so um i think there's a lot of um ways that we see how the NFL has made political statements and, and use them to their advantage, uh, for yes. their image and their brand. Right. And so you talked about military flyovers, right? We see the presence of military officials and officers at games doing any number of activities, right? You see right. the flag yeah. come across the field. Um, you know, the use of military graphics, um, mm-hmm. and military adjacent graphics and imagery and messaging, uh, at games and especially in, in big games like the Super Bowl. um, you know, um, and then you also think about the idea and Dave Zirin talks about how we talk about professional athletes and in this case, football players and their bodies and their power and their capabilities and their lives and, um, and what that has done to sort of reinforce notions of, of patriotism and masculinity and toxic masculinity and gender norms. Right. And, and so much more. And so I, I think I honestly didn't think before this film, like when some of that rhetoric around to shut up and play ball. Like to me, it was (laughs) just wrong and offensive on so many levels. Right. Particularly thinking about the idea of telling, uh, in this case, you know, an an organization like the NFL is, you know, predominantly made up of black players, right. For people to be telling, you know, black men to just shut up and play ball. Um, but benefiting from their labor, uh, (laughs) um, you know, I have a lot of issue with that, but I hadn't really thought about, you know, the, what, what this film does is provide some really great analysis mm-hmm. um, around that. And so I think it was just a, a really great and powerful counter argument to the misguided calls for NFL players to not make political statements um, and to just play ball, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I think it's, it's this whole thing is a really powerful counter narrative, counter argument to to the shut up and play ball mm-hmm. um, and keep politics out of the game thing. Yes. Um which there are, I think, I, I mean, I said this earlier, there's a lot of man on the street clips yeah. of people being 
filmed like before a game or after yeah, it was like tailgate or uh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and um just kind of saying like you know we don't want politics and and saying sort of more even more like offensive things than yes. that about particular Oof. players generally Colin Kaepernick was the the target um of of the comments usually yes um but you know it's as you said, like the NFL and football as a sport generally has been courting patriarchal masculine values and tying them into the fabric of the league and, and the sport forever. Yes. Um, and and those things are directly tied into militarism and overt kind of very specific brand of patriotism. There it is. Um, yes. But, I mean, you know, if you think back, jumping back to the beginning of the sport, there's such a powerful history. So you mentioned the history of the sport of football, which I hadn't known much about either. Yeah. But proponents of the game wanted to push it as this beacon of masculinity, as this proving ground, um, as a response to the so-called softness of men at the time, specifically wealthy white men who were in Ivy League schools. So that's where football mostly started, was Ivy League schools playing football yeah. and the games were super violent players died on the field yeah like during the Isn't game that wild it's yeah it's crazy to think about now um so there were some reforms established and then there was so much pushback because hmm. there was this movement to prove um for for football to be this proving ground um for masculinity and you know the reforms were like maybe we should wear helmets maybe um, we should wear a helmet good lord and you know stuff stuff like that and trying to uh reform the ways that that violence happened in the yes. game right um to maybe reduce the number of people who died maybe well, it's crazy what, they, what, you know, they published that, those statistics mm-hmm. in newspapers like yeah. this is how many men died on the field how many yeah. men died at these games it was wild yeah um and so walter camp who was a big proponent of the sport responded to the deaths by saying, quote, better to make a boy an outdoor savage than an indoor weakling. Mm, mm, mm. And I think, you know, in 20, with 2022 ears, that sounds like wild. Yes. It sounds out of out of bounds. Um, but it's not that different than the language that they showed later on uh, in the film of people on like Fox News panels and, and other stuff talking about the way the game has changed in modern times in response to the concussion um, issues and chronic traumatic uh, encephalopathy um, or CTE um, and the reforms that the NFL has tried to make to um, tried to make, I like I'm giving them a little bit more credit than I mean to. Ooh, um, yeah. You know, the very minor things that they've tried to do here and there to reduce the amount of violent hits that people might take directly to the head, um, that has somehow, you know, quote, wussified the game. Yes. Um, And there's clips from Trump talking about that. There's clips from, like I said, Fox News pundits and uh, a lot of different things, um, a lot of different pieces of media. And it, it all, I think, ties back to this quote from Walter Camp about, you know, making boys outdoor savages instead of indoor weaklings. Yeah. Well, and it's fascinating, too, to think about the the history of the game and, and mm-hmm. folks like Walter Camp. And, you know, you th- we, we talk here about um, the importance of stories and the importance of history, right? And so yep. to me, it's just kind of wild to think about the idea that um, we don't have all of the protections for players that we should have to prevent things like CTE and, and concussions and, and these sort of... Um, 
these injuries that can pr- that have we've seen and we know mm-hmm. to be life altering for players when they're done playing the game. Um, but you know, you have folks who have grown up listening to stories about the history yeah. of football and this, it's a man's man sport, right. And it's about being violent and about crashing into one another. Right. And so, you know, I guess for some people it's hard to sort of separate, you know, what they have grown up watching, what they've grown up hearing about definitely uh, the game. But um, yeah, I, it, that, that was really, um, a fascinating piece of this film um, to yeah. to learn about and to see these players like Walter Camp. And there were other players, particularly at the leadership level of the NFL and the things that they had to say. Yeah. And I think, I mean, one of the things tied to like the injuries that you mentioned um, is that um, they talk about uh, once you retire, you basically skip middle age as a football player. Yeah. You're young, you're playing football, and then you skip middle age, you go directly to being um old and experiencing old um a lot of different maladies uh based on your playing days. And so that that was a really brief but like moving idea to incorporate into the of how much it takes a toll on people and that being um sort of an argument about that this isn't really a sport for men because look at what it does to the men who play it. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So yeah. they, they, that being a conflicting message of, of like, look at these real men and then, you know, they're not doing anything to really take care of the men to who take are care of them playing. Absolutely. That sport. Absolutely. It's wild. It's also, so another thing that kind of stood out to me was this idea, you know, you talk about what's, you talk about this being a part of the fabric, yeah. right. Of the, of the, of the game of the association that is the NFL. Um, I, one of the things that Dave Zirin talks about in this film is, is the NFL logo itself or the shield. Right. Um, and yeah. to me, it was wild when you introduced this film to me, I knew exactly what you meant when you said you know, behind the shield. Right. Cause I knew mm-hmm. that's the NFL logo and it's just like, I, you know, it's embedded in me. Right. Mm-hmm. I sort of think like it's a part of capitalism popping off as the kids say, right. Like corporate logos and brands and slogans are just deeply embedded in our brains and our culture um, at this point. Right. But yeah. um, one of the things that Dave Zirin shares um, is, and, and what's front and center in this film is um, the, the NFL's identity and media guidelines around the importance of the shield. And Mm -hmm. I thought this was super fascinating. So there's actually a, um, you see a screenshot of one of the pages from that. And it says this quote, the NFL shield is one of the most recognizable symbols in sports and one of our greatest assets. The NFL shield has become an enduring symbol because of the values it represents and the tradition it invokes. Few sports identities have ever been so deeply woven into the fabric of American culture. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, that is a bold statement. Like, OK, NFL. Right. Um, but I think this film does a great job in highlighting the ways in which the NFL has lived up to and embodied that statement. Yeah. Right. How it's been this driving force in politics, in political movements, in war. Right. In nationalism, certainly in race and racism and um, particularly as you know, in recent years in social justice and social injustice. Right. Um, certainly we've talked about this idea of masculinity, right. And, and what's quote unquote acceptable, uh, in terms of manhood and masculinity. Um, 
and then just this idea of what truly counts. Like the NFL, I think over the years has had a very clear, uh, and this film shows this, a very clear lane uh, showing us what is acceptable as American values and what is not, yeah. right? And so it's kind of, it was just wild to me to see that sort of spelled out in this film mm-hmm. um, and to see how the NFL has been a driving force um, for, and I think in particular and important to me and to us, to not only see the connections to some of our to see the connections to some of our biggest challenges uh, we face in the society as it yeah. relates to social justice issues. Yeah, I think the um, well, one of the things that they kind of leave out of that quote about, you know, few sports identities have ever been so mm. deeply woven into the fabric of American culture. It's like, well, yeah, you all purposefully did that. Like, yes. you did World War II spots with NFL players. You then did that in Vietnam, and then you you did that again in Super Bowl, whatever it was, where Whitney Houston sang the the Star Spangled Banner. Absolutely. Um, every, you get handed out flags to every single, little American flags to every single person who attended the game. Absolutely. So that they could wave it during a halftime show. They used military like, officials, military officers' children at one of those halftime yeah. shows. Yeah. Yeah. So at that same, it was the same. It was I the think same? it was the same one. Because oh. that, that game kicked off eight or nine days right after the Gulf War started. That's right. That's uh, right. In, I think, 91. Yeah. Um, Maybe ninety two. Yeah, something. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not like surprising. You, you yeah. did that. Yeah. Like it was. Um, it was purposeful. You, anyway. Um, so one of the things that that he said in the documentary, it's connected to this idea about how they're not actually responding to the social issues people are experiencing across the country, mm. um, and particularly around domestic violence, domestic and, and sexual oh, assault. Yeah. Uh, he says, quote, the point here isn't that the NFL is worse than any other traditionally male cultural institution in America when it comes to things like domestic violence or sexual assault or bullying or homophobia. It's not that there is more domestic violence or incidents of sexual assault among NFL players than in the broader population. This is more about how this league, rather than using its cultural influence to lead, has failed time and again to take responsibility for their own role in perpetuating the culture of violent masculinity. Mm. <clears throat> I really love that quote um, because it ties together um, the way the things that the NFL does focus on uh, and the things that they choose to ignore. Yes, um, and this is also, I believe. A few minutes before they start talking about like Colin Kaepernick and, you know, the the ways that owners will defend um, a player who has maybe committed some kind of domestic violence versus the ways that owners refuse to defend and actually attacked yes. somebody who was doing a peaceful protest like Colin Kaepernick uh, really showed the values in terms of them not choosing actively not to lead in any of these ways um, to be, to not be a, um, you know, somebody on the forefront actually taking these things seriously uh, and, and using their gigantic platform to address yes. them. Um, so I, I really appreciated that quote and wanted to pull it in. I, I, I'm so glad you did. And in particular, what stood out to me about it um, is the last few words, right? In perpetuating the culture of violent masculinity. Yeah. Because I think you can make connections between um, or to um, this idea of violent masculinity to all of these other things, right? To domestic mm-hmm. violence, sexual assault, to what we saw with, um, 
you know, the violence of the sport itself, right? And what yeah. is expected of players to what we see in the, what we learn in this film about what happens in locker rooms, right? And what's acceptable talk mm -hmm. and not acceptable talk. I mean, the idea of um, the NFL perpetuating this culture of violent masculinity has impacted so much of um, what we, what, what we've seen and what we've talked about today yeah. about this film. So mm -hmm. um, I, I appreciated that as well. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's shift here in our conversation and talk about what we're thinking about as application from from this film and and from our conversation today. Um, you know, I can't help but think about the tension or like the the, the push and pull uh, of uh, that all of us who watch NFL games uh, who have been football fans feel when thinking about everything that was presented in this film. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and while this film was incredible and exposed me to a lot of new information and history and context, right? There's there's a lot in this film that like I knew about and, yeah. and fans know about, right? Um, and and we've had to reckon with for for years, right? And so I think the point of a film like this is to lay bare the fact of the matter, right? And it's up to us to decide what that means mm -hmm. for us, right? And so for some folks, that may or may not have meant or mean a boycott of watching NFL games and consuming NFL context, content, right? Um, but I think in either scenario or even bigger than that decision, in my opinion, is the idea of what else do you do, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what does this inspire in you as it relates to social justice? Yeah. What does it mean to advocate for change in an entity like the NFL uh, but also, and I think more importantly, to do that work more broadly in our society, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think a film like this, and it sort of ends by showing us this a little bit, right? That that work is in interconnected and the latter can influence the former, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think this film pushes me and I hope all of us to ask some of those questions. And I'm sure there are a lot more, right? And to hopefully do the work that, that matters. Yeah, yeah, um, I appreciate that. Um, so I, my application, um, will make sense at the end of this, I think. There, okay. There, I, I'm going to weave together a you couple of things. got some thoughts. Here. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking about a couple of the sections of the film. Um, one that shows how much military symbolism has become ingrained in the NFL, which we talked about some, yeah. um, another that claims, uh, the cultural coolness of blackness mm, and yes. ties that into the image of the NFL. Um, so military symbolism, it starts in World War II, I mentioned. Um, it intensified during the Vietnam War, uh, which led to a player, Dave Megsey, um, I might be mispronouncing that, my That's, apologies, right. um, protesting during the national anthem mm -hmm. and essentially getting benched uh, and then never playing again. So we saw basically the same thing happen to Colin Kaepernick yep. four decades later. Um but from the Vietnam War, we see another resurgence of that at the Super Bowl during the first war in Iraq. Um, then it really accelerated after 9-11. Yes. Um, and I'm also thinking about some of the commercials shown in the film, um, shifting to the, the idea of cultural coolness of blackness, um, how the NFL has always tried to take advantage of that ever since they integrated. Yes. Um, they had these commercials in the 70s. It was this kind of funky soul music. Um, show black players looking cool on and off the field, on and off the field, mm -hmm. um, and then trying to connect with external cultural aspects of blackness, like Jay Z hosting or producing the Super Bowl halftime shows. Um, 
So my application here is to have a critical eye. Yes. Because all of these messages are grounded in something. And if something doesn't seem political, that doesn't mean it's not political. Correct. In fact, it probably is political. Yes. Um, especially when you consider that the Pentagon paid for flyovers and other military displays during NFL games. So literally our tax dollars in the U.S. are flowing from the military to this league that makes billions of dollars. Yes. That's a political statement in and of itself. Absolutely. Right. And it's also you think about one of the examples early on in the film was about uh, City Field, which is not the NFL. It's where the Mets play Mm -hmm. uh, in Major League Baseball. But it's called City Field after a bank. But five hundred million dollars was paid from taxpayer dollars to build the stadium. Yeah. So that's also a political statement as well. Right. Like that was a political decision to use taxpayer funds to build that stadium. Um, So all of this is political. Yes. Right. You have to have a critical eye and see it um, for what it is and recognize, like I said at the beginning, like what's upholding the things we consider to be normal and what are the things challenging it. Both of those things are political, but some of them are accepted and we don't pay attention to and some of them stick out like sore thumbs because they're challenging the 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 status quo man yeah there's no doubt about that absolutely mm-hmm. um you know one of the other things that i thought about when you were talking about sort of military symbolism and the cultural coolness of blackness i think dave zirin does a great job in in sort of uh explaining those concepts mm-hmm. and talking through that one of the other things i think he talks about related to this is this idea of uh uh, how the NFL targets women. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, they talk about and, and sort of juxtaposing that with the idea of, you know, but there's this toxic masculinity culture within the NFL and they've looked the other way with domestic abuse. Right. So to sort of correct that. Right. That we, we saw an ad that featured just like four babies that were all born on Super Bowl night. Right. Yeah. They were all, uh, you know, conceived on Super Bowl night. Right. Um, and so that's their way to sort of target women and say, hey, we're for you too to, you know, watch the NFL. Right. Yeah. And so it's just right. Have that critical eye to see like so <laughs> you're doing this, but you're also doing this. Right. Yeah. I, and I mean, to use that as a as a good example for critical eye, like, yeah, that's the message that they're sending to women. But like what what is ultimately in that message? Absolutely. Right. Like, yes, there's um, more there than just look at this cute baby in the right. in a Raiders jersey. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, onesie. And, um, and I think one of the messages in that one of the intended messages in that particular commercial as well is probably one of like sort of multiculturalism and diversity because yes. the, the babies were of different races. They sure were. Um, but also like that's relatively lip service Yes, because it's just, it's just an image. Yes. Um, it doesn't talk to how the power structure in the NFL is still ultimately very white yes. and male. Um, so like right like that's another piece of that cult, that critical eye of that I'm glad you brought that commercial up because there's so much in it mm-hmm. that is like it's just hollow it sure it's, is. it just and it's like you know you you watch it during a game and you're like oh that's so cute and then you think about what they're trying to say versus like what they're actually what they've actually proven to be and be about yes 
Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up and mm -hmm. I'm, uh, it sparked that in me that I wanted yeah. to share as well. Absolutely. All connected. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about homework. Uh, mm -hmm. What do we want to do after we leave the table today? Um, you know, for me, I think I shared this in our last episode too. I'm really compelled to think about the ways that I want to share this with folks, right? And so I want yeah. how I want to share this film with the people in my life who also watch football in the NFL. Um, my 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 whole entire family, particularly on my dad's side, watches NFL football. Love love it, mm -hmm. um, right? And so I'd love for my family to see this film and for us to have a conversation about it, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think you know we often have many of the conversations that were part of this film, just given the fact that we're black people in America. Right. And so, so yeah. much of that, so much of what's in this film, um, you know, has some social cultural, uh, <laughs> you know, influences. Right. But I think it would be kind of fascinating for us to watch this film and have a conversation like the one you and I have just had here mm -hmm. and are having right now. Um, I don't know, maybe that's the educator in me or, or, <laughs> or the fact that I have a podcast where I get to do this every maybe, single week. Maybe that, maybe that too. Uh, but I don't know. I think it would be fun. And I know some of my family listens to this, so uh, stay tuned, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what about you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, so I want to start my say my homework by saying there's so much in the documentary that we didn't get a chance to really yes, talk about. Yes. Um, you know, it's Kaepernick. There's the, a ban on signing black players essentially from 1933 to 1946, mm -hmm. um, which happened after the league had already been integrated for a while. Like, yeah, the the first um, NFL championship went to the team in Akron, which clearly doesn't exist anymore or, you know, has moved or whatever. Right. But I like I believe the captain, maybe the quarterback was black yes. of that team yep. and then became the first black head coach of the NFL the next year. Um, and then in 1933, the owner of uh, the Washington team, which I think was in Boston at the time, so. um, basically banded together with the other owners. It was like, let's not sign black people. Mm. Um and they all went along with it for 13 years. Yeah. Um, so, and then there's the health care concerns of players, which we touched on a little bit, how oh, the NFL yeah. chews up players and spits them out. Um, doesn't provide, the, the film doesn't really talk about this much, uh, but doesn't provide health care once you're done. Yeah. Like once you're out, you're on your own. Um, to the way that they use tax uh, taxpayer funds to build these elaborate stadia only to have minimal economic positive impact for the communities that pay for them. Um, so all of that is in the film, yeah. right? And we, we also, didn't really talk about much, much about any of that. You, and you alluded to this. And one of the other things that's in the film is this idea of the NFL leadership, right? Yeah. Uh, and coaching staff, co head coaches, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, so what is the makeup of the players versus the coaches versus the, the owners and the leadership, uh, yep. within the organization, right? There's a huge piece of this film too, that we, you know, only scratch the surface on. Yeah. So my specific homework is to learn a little bit more about and from Dave Megsey, um, since oh, he wrote nice. that book yes. um, back in the 70s called Out of Their League. So that was in response to the Vietnam War sort of militarism messaging from the NFL, um, which led to him getting, you know, banned, basically. Um, I also want to mention Michael Bennett, uh, who's a player who wrote a book called Things That Make White People Uncomfortable, which he wrote with uh, Dave Zirin. That's uh, right. And then Dave Zirin himself, who has written 11 books. Yeah. Um, 
one of which I just mentioned, things that make white people uncomfortable, he co-wrote, but one about Muhammad Ali, one about John Carlos, um, a really great book about Brazil hosting the World Cup in 2014 and the Olympics in 2016 and the political decisions that went into that and how it impacted the the real people of Brazil. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, there's... there's, um, a lot. There's a lot there. <laughs> there's a lot. Um, but I, that's that's where my homework, that's where my mind went for homework is like there's all this other cool stuff to learn about um, sports, about people in the NFL and, and more. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because even in the beginning of the film, he talks about Billie Jean King. He, he yeah. talks about Muhammad Ali. He talks about sort of the impact of sports in this country and beyond mm-hmm. and sort of trailblazers and the ways in which sports influence our society and our culture in so many ways. And obviously the film then focuses on the NFL, but yeah. there's a lot to learn here and a lot of other stories that we could certainly dive into. So mm-hmm. I love all yeah. of that. Homework. One of one of his other books, is I think, is called The the people's history of sports in the United States. Oh. So like Howard Zinn's people's yes. history of the United States, that kind of a, of a nice. model um, for a book too. So that probably gets into a lot of those stories that you're just talking that about. Would be cool. like, that would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah, so. absolutely. Very mm-hmm. good. All right, my friend, with that, you are up in our next episode. Yep. What are you bringing to the table? Uh, I'm bringing a lecture, I guess, by Robin D.G. Kelly. Okay. Um, It was originally delivered at the Socialism 2022 conference uh, in September. Uh, That conference is hosted by Haymarket Books uh, Mm -hmm. as the main, one of the main sponsors, I believe, um, and organizers of the conference. Um, The lecture is called Freedom Dreams and the Socialist Project. Uh, It's based on um, the book Freedom Dreams, which just had its 20, 20th anniversary edition come out, I wow, believe. Wow, very cool. Um, and so here's the description of the video. The history of socialism in the U.S. is inextricably tied to the history of black radicalism here and internationally. Join Robin D.G. Kelly for a discussion on recovering the dreams of the future worlds that black radicals struggled to achieve and how these relate to the socialist project in our moment. Um, so I've been wanting to read that book, Freedom Dreams, um, for a while now. Yeah. So maybe this lecture will push us to to reading that book sometime soon. I like uh, it. But I'm also just looking forward to hearing from uh, Robin D.G. Kelly. Absolutely. Himself, so. I feel like we've been talking about him a lot here lately. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's come up a few times. Yeah, so um, that's exciting. I'm glad you found that. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to watching it and chatting about it with you next week. Let's do it. All right, folks, with that, we want to thank you for joining us today and for listening to Interdependent Study. Uh, You know I'm going to ask you to do, but in case you forgot, please follow, leave a rating and review, share our podcast with the people in your life, follow us on social media, sign up for our email list, get notified about any new things we've got going on behind the scenes. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, it's not about us, but it is about us. And we'll talk to you next week.